if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are underway on this Friday. And it's kind of a free-for-all Friday. We'll have time for you to take your free-for-all phone calls on any subject that you find important, uh, any comments you might have, any questions that you might have about anything that's going on, things we've talked about that you haven't been able to get a, a word in edgewise on, or things we haven't talked about that you think we should. That's the nature of a free-for-all Friday. I do have a couple of guests that are going to be joining us here on this 23rd morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2021, but there will be plenty of time for calls, including between right now and 930. Uh, get in, 216-901-0945, Either one of those numbers will get you here and up and on the radio. Uh, coming up at 935, though, we will have our first guest, and this is going to be my first uh, stab at saying this name out loud. Mandy Gunasekara is what I'm going with here, and I hope I'm right. She's a former chief of staff at the EPA during the Trump administration, and she's going to talk to us about what happened yesterday, the first day of the climate summit, in which the United States, under the leadership of John Kerry, let me say that again, not of Joe Biden in this instance, but of John Kerry, who's running the administration's point position on environmental issues and climate change, as they continue to call it, and is usurping, essentially, the power of the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, while doing so. It's hilarity. It is seriously hilarious what is going on here. Nobody knows who's in charge of the environmental or energy policy. Um, so Mandy Gunasakara, who, again, was the uh, former chief of staff at the EPA, will be joining us. She was also the uh, founder of Energy 45. Uh, which was an energy plan that was put into place and led us to becoming the first or uh, net exporter of energy rather than an importer for the first time in American history under Donald Trump. Uh, yesterday, Democrats reintroduced the Green New Deal, of course, proposal that would eliminate all fossil fuels and cost us roughly, let me hold on, carry the one, $93 trillion over 10 years. You heard that right. $9.3 trillion a year destroying our current energy sector and fundamentally remaking and reshaping our entire American economy. So she'll be joining me at 935 to talk about that. Then we'll have plenty of time before our next guest, John Hagen Sr. at 1035. Normally, 
Friday at 1035 is reserved for Christina Hagen. But Christina is traveling today. She's got business to attend to. So she handed us her dad and said, talk to my dad. And it's a good reason, by the way. Just kind of joking there, a little colloquialism. John Hagen Sr. is a member of the Ohio Board of Education. Former House representative, of course. But he's a member of the Board of Education. And he is uh, keenly aware of what is going on in the Ohio State Board right now. And he's going to talk to, to us about why it is there can be no public comment or criticism of critical race theory that is being forced into Ohio public school classrooms. It's, uh, there's a lawsuit, in fact, over this. And uh, John Hagan will be joining us to talk about that at 10.35. So there you go. Uh, we've got guests for you at 9.35 and 10.35. Before, between, and after those guests, the phone lines will be yours at 216-901-0945. And again, 888-281-1110. Having said all of that, let us start our day with our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, stand unless you're driving and put your hand on your heart. Uh, leftists, go ahead and take a knee right now. I know you hate this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The left is making a massive, massive grab at power. The latest, yesterday, and I talked about this last night on the Larry Elder Show. If you missed it, well, that's bad on you. Maybe bad on me, too, because I didn't tell you during the show yesterday that I was going to be hosting for Larry last night. But if you missed it, uh, we covered a lot of very important stuff, including the massive power grab that the Democrats are currently engaged in. Part of that is the vote to make D.C., a state, the 51st state. The Democrats claim this is out of concern for the residents and citizens in the district, claiming that they deserve to have their own state. And, of course, they have no interest whatsoever in the citizens. They have concerns about a raw power grab. What do they want? They want statehood so they can get two more Democrat senators, which are guaranteed in the very, very blue district. So they want two more senators so that they can continue to try to expand their power. Here's a report. Republicans say D.C. lacks statehood chops. Republicans suspect the D.C. statehood bill is a chess piece in a broader Democratic political game. Democrats say they just want fairness for D.C. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer says that may be the case now, but not forever. When Alaska and Hawaii were admitted not too far apart in in years, uh, Alaska was... Uh, how about that? It just decided to die in the middle of the clip. My apologies for that. But uh, at any rate, you know the drill. I just wanted to kind of give you the uh, the latest lay of the land there. Uh, Republicans are absolutely not going to allow this to pass. It would take 10 of them to turncoat, and that means literally be turncoats, uh, against the gr- a great republic that we have right now. It will take 10 Republicans in the Senate to flip. It takes 60 votes because of the filibuster, which, of course, is why the Democrats are trying to eliminate the legislative filibuster. They want to be able to pass this with a 50-50 tie. And with the tie-breaking vote, of course, going to Kamala, rhymes with communist, or sounds like communist, Harris. Um, and that is indeed their plan, all over a mad power grab. Let me lay this out. The way that I did last night when I was talking to Larry's audience, which maybe you were a part of. I don't know. Um, there is, and, and, and mind you, what you're about to hear is in no way all-inclusive and all-encompassing of this, this massive power grab. 
but it's a good chunk of it, all right? And you should know before I start reading this list that what makes it so appalling that one party is moving for such a, you know, a, a, a power, an all-encompassing governmental takeover of one-party rule is that they're doing this with the slimmest of margins, the slimmest of majorities, yet they act as if they have been given wide, you know, a wide mandate by the American people to run this country as they see fit, as if the Democrats have been swept into some massive power that gives them the guts, the gall, the temerity, the chutzpah, the kulians, to, to do all of this, when in reality they have the slimmest majority anybody can even imagine. In the House, the Democrats' majority is a very, very slim six seats. Six. Which was trimmed down from over 20 in the November election. Republicans picked up over 15 seats in the November elections in the House of Representatives. How is that a broad mandate for Democrats to rule when Republicans picked up 15 seats? They did not lose a single seat in which a Republican incumbent ran, and they flipped a bunch of Democrat blue seats and turned them red. How is that possibly a mandate? Then you look at the Senate side. It can't be a more slim margin. It's not possible. It's 50 to 50. There's no margin at all. The only reason we call it a margin for the Democrats is, of course, because of the rules of the Senate and the vice president gets to be the tie-breaking vote in any 50-50 legislative vote. So they're tied there. They have lost an enormous number of seats and hold a very slim majority in the House. And then you get to the White House, the executive branch, and the man occupying it, you can make a credible, credible case, even though the Supreme Court Court won't hear it, that he didn't even win the election. Talk about winning a close election. It is very, very debatable that he won it at all. So he sits there with no majority at all for his party in the Senate, a very slim majority that shrunk dramatically in the House, and he sits there in the executive chair, and and all three of those bodies say, we are all in power now, so therefore the public has given us a mandate to fundamentally transform this country. It is not true. It is a lie. It is fiction, which is what so much of their actual agenda is. Now consider this list for just a moment. A couple of months ago, they passed a $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill that was 91% not about COVID relief. It was about Democrat projects. Then, just a couple of uh, weeks ago, they passed a $2.25 trillion infrastructure bill in the House for 95% of the things that are not infrastructure. They're for Democrat projects. They passed a bill, or I beg your pardon, they introduced a bill in the House of Representatives to pack the Supreme Court, to move it from 9 to 13 members so that their 6 to 3 minority can become a 7 to 6 majority and then have no problem whatsoever. Now we've got the legislative branch, the executive branch, and liberal activists in robes in the judicial. Then yesterday they passed statehood for Washington, D.C., 
which will only be two seats for the uh, Senate, for the Democrats in the Senate, which, which is why D.C. is only step one. Step two, or phase two, will be passing uh, a bill to make Puerto Rico an American territory into a state, getting two more far-left senators. Again, hoping to never, ever, ever cede the majority back to the Republicans. Fundamental transformation. In this first 100 days of the Biden administration, in the first 120 days or so of the new Congress, they, they uh, uh, passed out of the House H.R. 1, House Resolution 1, which will lead to the federalization of American elections, which will lead to, again, Republicans and conservatives never winning an election again. How? Why? Because this will allow the Democrats to do what they do best. Commit fraud. Cheat. Send mail-in ballots to every man, woman, child, dog, cat, and canary in the United States of America. And don't worry about the signatures. Don't worry about the timestamp. Don't worry about the legality. Don't worry about the citizenship. Don't worry about the voting rights. Don't worry about the status as a felon. Don't worry about the status of being alive or dead. Don't worry about the status of being human or animal. Send it in, and we'll count them. And they're damn good at it. And no state will be able to stop it if H.R. 1 passes. All state rules regarding elections, which, by the way, are set by uh, or are set by the states with permission and at the direction of the founding fathers, which gave election control to the states that will all be undone by H.R. 1. Then there's the Equality Act, which is anything but equal for women. An Equality Act that would require schools, businesses, shops, gyms, anything and everything to recognize fundamental biological chromosomal males as chromosomal females and vice versa. Recognizing them as something that they're not. Thus, creating a terribly unequal or unequal playing field, quite literally, for girls and women and putting girls and women in serious, serious danger. There are already male perverts who hide in female locker rooms and restrooms with the intention of seeing, watching, peeping, taking pictures of, and yes, in some cases, assaulting. And now we're going to give males permission to go into women's facilities. If there are any more women's facilities, then they're not just all wide open for everybody. Putting women in danger. Then there's the Green New Deal I just talked about, in which we will talk about at 935. The complete deconstruction of the United States economy and the redistribution of wealth. Then there's the Marxism. Marxism. The Marxist redistribution of wealth is part of that, as noted, as well as the division of all races in this country and the elimination of the nuclear family so children don't have parents to rely upon they'll rely upon the public school teachers who will teach them what the state tells them to full-on leftist marxist indoctrination critical race theory in all schools kids will never be the same redefining sex indoctrinating kids with fiction redefining science revisionist history about this country and the world In short, the Democrats are literally trying to do what Barack Obama promised way back in 2008. Actually, in the campaign of 2007. 
a fundamental transformation, a fundamental change of what this country is. And they're doing this all with the slimmest of majorities in the House, no majority in the Senate, and a debated and disputed president in the executive office. That's what we're facing right now. All right, it is free for all. Let me hear from you next. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Right here on The Authority. Okay, 926, let's take some phone calls here before the bottom of the hour. We're going to start out on this free for all Friday with Sally, who's in Berea. Uh, hey, Sally, thanks. Uh, you're on the air. Go right ahead. In the $3 trillion infrastructure bill that's been urgently needed for years, and that is to finally harden our electrical grid, as China and Russia have already done. I have called before about this topic, but I had no idea that we had a close call in 2012 when the solar superstore launched a blast from the sun that if it had gone in the direction where the Earth would have burned out all our computers, and in seconds... This EMP, that's an electromagnetic pulse, would have thrust us backward 150 years with our critical infrastructure massively damaged and a protracted blackout of electricity for months. And what about water, transportation systems, plus um, communications such as cell phones, and would guarantee chaos and starvation? The good news is we can relatively... take inexpensive measures to shield our transformers and control systems. This scenario makes the Green New Deal look like a game of trivial pursuit. <laughs> How much longer do we want to play Russian roulette with our lives by ignoring this danger to our national security and even our very survival? It should have been a wake-up call if only our lawmakers would listen. President Trump even mentioned hardening the grid as one of his goals that got bogged down with obstacles to building the wall, border wall, and dealing with impeachment trials. Sally, let me, ju- let, me, let me jump in here and address some of that real quick because we're short on time, and I thank you so much for your phone call. Listen to the response. Um, it's going to be good news and bad news for you, okay? The good news is going to be they are going to have to strengthen and fortify the, the electrical grid. The bad news is the reason why, and they're really going to have to do this. If they, And this should have been included in the infrastructure bill, and it would have been actual infrastructure. The reason they're going to have to fortify the grid, which should you know, kind of placate some of your concerns, although an EMP is an EMP, and yes, it would essentially stop anything electronic from working uh, and kill it all. But um, we have to fortify the grid because they are going to put millions upon millions of electric cars on the road. This is part of the Green New Deal, and even if the Green New Deal as a whole does not pass, it is a part that will. They're going to, the car automakers, I can tell you this right now, I've already been talking to Regan Kowalski at Kowalski Ford. The automakers, including Ford, are indeed in process right now of developing, designing, and putting on the road, again, millions of electric cars. And what's going to happen every day at 5 o'clock when millions of people get home from work? They're all going to plug their cars into their garages, and the electrical grid is going to crash if it isn't extraordinarily fortified. So it's going to happen, but like I said, that's the good news, but the bad news is uh, because of the reason why. Uh, thank you, Sally. Dave in North Royalton. Dave, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. I know I'm short on time here. I uh, I thank you for coming out to Strongsville last Monday, and I was one of the guys that asked you a question about the fence around the Capitol in D.C. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And my, my real question, you advise me to contact my representatives and, you know, get something done. I think that is a uh, capstone event that summarizes all the things that you just talked about that the, the Dems are doing. And now they've walled us out of the Capitol as well, right? Yes. So I don't think that, that contacting our rep is going to solve this problem. I think we need to be more active and get in their faces, as Maxine Waters says, and, you know, express our opinion in a big way, saying this thing's got to come down, it's got to come down tomorrow. Your well, thoughts, please. Well, well, my thoughts are that you're right, um, although we're kind of both right. When I say contact them, it doesn't just mean send an email. If they are in the district and they are taking town hall questions and they are in any way, place, or shape that you can find them while they're in your district, you've got to go and do exactly what you said. Get in their face respectfully. Don't be Maxine Waters, but get in their face and tell them what you want done because the, that's the only way to do it. They are the only ones inside that fortress. We can't get inside the fortress to make ourselves heard there, so we have to do it when they come out of the fortress into the district and whenever there's an opportunity to see them personally. You're right. You know, make it very direct, make it very forceful, but again, respectful and not, uh, not uh, you know, a violation of, uh, of any of their own personal space. Yeah, I get it. So, Bob, Bob, my guy is Anthony Gonzalez. Think <laughs> about that, right? Yeah. So that's like, you know, talking to the wall. Right. Well, you know, that's going to be unaffected. Well, I'll be honest with you. No, hold on. You know what? You might be in a better position, Dave, than you think. Thank you for the call with Anthony Gonzalez, because he is desperate to win back some of the people that he lost when he voted to impeach Trump. He knows he is in serious jeopardy in his district. Somebody is going to take him, him out in the primary. The only chance he has is to placate those who are angry with him, voters like you. Go see Anthony Gonzalez. Hell, he might be a little bit more vocal than anybody else because he's got a lot of ground to make up because he angered so many with his traitorous decision or or his treacherous decision, rather, uh, to uh, to try to impeach President Trump with no due process at all. Dave, thanks for the call. We'll take a time out for news and come right back. For Bob, a comment, a complaint, hit up the authority message line. Call 216 525 1806 and make your voice heard. That's 216 525 1806. Call the authority message line. All right, 936, we continue on AM 1420. The answer, thanks for being with us. Going to get away. Uh, or not get away, but actually get a little bit more deeper into uh, some of the massive power grab that we are talking about. The Green New Deal is back on the table. The first time we heard it, we just laughed. We figured it was a bored cocktail waitress or bartender sitting in Westchester in between uh, 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 you know, dead periods or during dead periods before and after happy hour, jotting down on a cocktail napkin the most wildly ridiculous things that she could ever think of. And we say that because the... Um, uh, proponent of this is Alexandria Damasio Cortez. She got support from in the Senate, none other than, than future, from none other, none other than future, excuse me, <clears throat> Vice President Kamala Harris. So we kind of laughed at this ridiculous idea. $93 trillion completely and fundamentally deconstructing and remaking our entire American economy. 
But we can't laugh at it anymore because it's being introduced and it's being pushed and supported by the same lunatics who are pushing the Equality Act, H.R. 1, and all the other things we just discussed. Joining us now to talk about this is the former chief of staff at the EPA during the Trump administration and the founder of Energy 45, Mandy, and Mandy, work with me here, Gunasakara is what I'm going with. Yeah, Guna Sekera, but that was very Guna good. Guna Sekera, dang it. I was, I was yes. hoping I would get it right, but uh, first time I had to say it out loud, Guna Sekera. Manny, thanks for the time. No, good to be here with you, Bob. Before we get into the Green New Deal, what is Energy 45? So Energy 45 is a nonprofit uh, that is meant to educate the public on the policies that President Trump made and perpetuated pertaining to energy, the environment, and the the resulting benefits of the economy. And uh, that's obviously a, a very important issue. And uh, as is, you know, look, people like to say conservatives don't care about the environment. We don't care about the planet. We don't care about climate or this, that, and the other. And nothing could be further from the truth, Mandy. Conservatives, and, I'm, and I am one of the biggest skeptics and critics of, of climate change hysteria that there is, critics of the Paris Climate Accord, critics of the unfair practice that they seem to have around the world, which is hold the United States to a different standard than every other nation in the world, including nations that are far, far, far worse polluters than we are. It's not that we don't care about the climate, Mandy, but we care about the science, and the science simply does not say that um, punishing and raising the taxes on and deconstructing the entire American economy and getting rid of our fossil fuel energy independent uh, you know nation uh, is is the best way to save this planet. No, that's exactly right. And and I would say this, you know, Republicans and in the Trump administration, we were true environmentalists. We were committed to making sure that the air was cleaner the water was cleaner, and we were addressing legacy pollution in the context of a Superfund program to help communities that historically had been left behind because of lingering pollution had an opportunity and access to the economic, uh, the, the prosperity that we just saw go gangbusters under President Trump. We focused on environmentalism in a very pragmatic sense where we are led by the science and we assess that next to technical realities and we assess that next to what kind of benefit are we actually going to derive from it. You rightly point out that what the Democrats do um, when they're talking about climate and the environment, they co-opt something we all support. I don't think anyone disagrees that we all want a cleaner, healthier, safer environment. Sure. But Democrats use that, and then they try to perpetuate the same liberal agenda items that are really meant to just undermine the economies as we know it and to reconfigure the entire American energy system to benefit them politically. You know, it's um, it's it's it would be shocking, Mandy, and striking and disconcerting um, at any time to to put forth such a radical idea here as to completely eliminate our fossil fuel uh, energy uh, sources and and to try to transform everything into you know re- recyclable and renewables. But to do it now, after we just became energy independent and a net exporter of energy rather than an importer for the first time in American history, which is what we had under President Trump, to do it now makes it even that, that much worse. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. You know, what we need right now, we're getting, we're getting out of the COVID pandemic. People are getting vaccinated. They want to get out. We just need someone to turn the Trump economy back on because we saw what happened um, when people were going to work and Everyone felt good about it, and 
we didn't have to give up any freedoms or raise taxes to all experience the benefits of being a part of a successful, growing American economy. But unfortunately, from day one in the Biden administration, despite what he said on the campaign trail, he's been turning his back on American workers, and he's been undercutting our robust American energy system. You saw this with the Keystone XL pipeline. That was 11,000 jobs gone in one day. Um, and we're still waiting for those solar panel jobs or whatever they promised that <laughs> the, the men and women who were working on the pipeline um, that the, the jobs that are going to replace the ones the president took away. And the Green New Deal is just the latest iteration of a very anti-American worker and anti-American energy policy that the Democrats are pushing in Congress. Well, even if they wanted to, um, you know, build these new factories, you know, to build solar panels and windmill, uh, you know, or the windmills, I guess, the, the you know, for the uh, windmill farms, um, mm-hmm. These factories aren't going to be built on top of the coal mines. These factories aren't going to be built in the same location where the oil workers are. And all of these people who, by the way, are trained to mine for coal and trained to drill for oil, not trained to do, you know, the, the jobs that it would take to manufacture these things anyway. I mean, so even if they had the best efforts and intentions in mind, we really do want to replace their jobs with these new jobs. The people are going to have to uproot their lives. People are going to have to go to where the factories are because the factories aren't going to be built where they live now. They're going to have to learn new skills. Some of these people are 40, 45, 50 years old. They're going to have to learn this. The idea that, oh, and by the way, it's going to take how many years to build the factories to begin to build the parts and the, and the, uh, and the, and the uh, components of all of these, um, you know, solar panels and so, so on and so forth. None of it makes any sense. None of it is doable, even if their intentions are legitimate. Yeah, and, and I think, look, we, we, we all have good intentions. We all want... Um, more innovative technologies to help us have an even more cleaner and greener and efficient economy going forward. But the truth of the matter is, if you shut down fossil-based energy production in this company, it's just going to reemerge somewhere else. It's going to reemerge, it's going to take those jobs, and it's going to reemerge in places like China and India where they aren't as serious and robust with their environmental protections like we are in this country. And to build those factories and to build solar panels and wind panels, it takes uh, it takes it takes fossil energy to do that, but it also requires a lot of rare earth minerals, significant right. mining operations that occur elsewhere, and again, primarily in other countries. So to put all of our eggs in any one energy basket is always a bad idea. And in the context of the Green New Deal, the Democrats and some of the people out there supporting it, they're not being honest about the actual implications of of what it's going to do for the environment and what it's going to do for American jobs. Because if you ship American jobs overseas to places that pollute more, you're just going to exacerbate a lot of the environmental progress that we've achieved in the last couple of decades. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on part when you said we all have good intentions. I don't think theirs are good. <laughs> I, I mean this. I, I don't think yeah. their intentions are good. I think their intentions are evil. I think their intention is to disrupt the American economy so much so that it is deconstructed and then rebuilt in a Marxist fashion that they believe in, where which is no property rights. Everybody everybody is living on uh, government property. Government will dole that out as they see fit, redistribute the wealth as they see fit, and the best way to do that is to upset and destroy our energy infrastructure. I don't think their goals are noble at all. Well, I think you're right, especially when you're talking about um, the likes of AOC and some of the more extreme factions of the party. But the truth is the extreme factions of the party 
they're the ones controlling the policy decisions of the Biden administration and what's coming out of Congress today. Well, the extreme President- faction of their party is now the mainstream of their party. I mean, honestly, Joe yeah. Biden is so much yeah. further left than any pre- even Barack Obama. And some say that Barack Obama is kind of running this thing from behind the scenes, and I don't doubt yeah. that actually. But um, he is so much further left than anybody thought he would be. Kamala Harris had a further liberal rating, uh, rating or rather a a uh, uh, the highest liberal rating, and I'm frankly struggling to find the way to say that, but um, she was more liberal in terms of her votes, according to nonpartisan uh, uh, studies and sources, than even Bernie Sanders, who is an avowed socialist. So when you have the top two people at the government um, uh, who are far left socialists, if not all the way to communists now, joined by the likes of AOC and some of the other radicals on the squad, this is the mainstream of the party now, not the radical wing. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's uh, there's just a little bit of a a a, a, uh, a farce going forward when they try to put the party tries to put Joe Biden, who historically had a reputation for being more moderate. But right. you're right to point out the truth is is he's just as extreme now as AOC and certainly his vice president Kamala Harris. You know, one other thing to note: you mentioned property um, uh, in the context of the Green New Deal. Um, Democrats are wanting to. Ex- and immediate eminent domain um, rights for the government to come in and take property so long as they're laying transmission lines for renewable energy sources. I think that's something that people, you have to read through the lines, um, not just in the Green New Deal, but some of the other legislation on Capitol Hill floating around in the context of perpetuating a green economy. And you're exactly right. Um, Democrats are putting forward policies where they're not going to respect property rights um, and while they're not respecting your property rights, they're always going to also going to be shipping your jobs overseas and raising taxes. And the truth is, none of that is necessary to have a cleaner environment. And I know this because we did it in the Trump administration with less regulations, with lower taxes, and just by being honest and pragmatic about what we can and should do to grow the economy, but in an environmentally friendly manner that works for everybody. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the Green New Deal and that $93 trillion price tag. We're talking to Mandy Gunasekara. Did I do it right that time? Perfect. Good. Yes. Former chief of staff at the EPA during uh, President Trump's administration. Um, tell us a little bit more about that $93 trillion price tag, because I promise you there are some people that look at that and go, whatever, because they can't conceive of that number. They really can't. They don't, they don't understand that a trillion dollars is, is, you know, what is it, a million billions? Uh, it, it's, it's yeah. crazy to think about what that number means. So can you put into more concrete terms where that number comes from, uh, you know, in terms of over 10 years, nine point three trillion dollars a year it would cost us yeah so i mean this is this is all going to come from raised taxes so everyone needs to understand that it will directly impact them we're already looking at having to raise taxes because of the last trillion dollar um i'm air quoting covid relief bill that was pushed forward that had less to do with covid relief and more to do with perpetuating some long-standing democrat and liberal ideology goals so the 93 trillion dollars they want to restructure the entire energy grid system um, that obviously costs money if you're building out if you're building out uh, wind farms and solar farms and think of all the power lines and transmission lines that are required to connect that. That's significant amount of funds that will be required to build that out. And what's important to note too, for the dollars being invested in those sorts of technologies, those sorts of technologies are good as a complementary component to a diverse energy grid when you have coal, oil, natural gas, um, and nuclear that create base load power. Um, wind and solar are good to to help in times where 
the energy demand goes up and down in, in pretty extreme ways. But when you get rid of that baseload source and you replace it with wind and solar, you're going to be in the situation that we saw in California. We saw this in Texas where an extreme weather event comes through, whether it's really hot or really cold. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to turn the lights on, either the heat on or the air, air conditioning on, and it doesn't work. So that's what you're, you're going to be spending more money for less reliable technologies that aren't going to be there when you need them. And additionally, they want to, uh, they want to weatherize all sorts of buildings. Um, and they, they, they're relying on this program that we have data because these types of programs have been around for a long time where you go into a home and you say, you know what? We're going to update the technologies and you're going to get, um, you're, you're going to be able to do more with less power. So you're going to, in the long run, save money. Well, that's not actually true because the technology is so expensive on the front end. You never save enough energy on the back end to actually make the program, um, the, make the program work in the way that it's presented. So again, another instance where the taxpayers are going to be spending a lot of money on a, a program that doesn't actually return, uh, doesn't make the return as promised. So, and, and there's been a, a lot of different analyses done. I think there was one that, um, over the life of it, it's going to cost each American family uh, around four hundred to $600,000. Um, now, that's on over a 10-year period of time, so people may say, well, that doesn't seem like that much, but it is, and it's, it's especially impactful to families that are either close to or at the poverty level. Um, they already spend a significantly higher amount of their take-home income on energy, and when you increase that just a couple dollars a month, that really impacts their ability to engage in other things that are good for themselves, their families, and maintaining their health. Well, and the more impoverished they make people close to or at the poverty line, the more people are going to be dependent on the government for their every need, which is exactly the goal, government control over people's lives. At least that's the goal for the Marxists who are currently running our government. Mandy Gunasekera. Former Chief of Staff at the EPA during the Trump administration, laying it out for us. Terrific information. I thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, 9.51 now. We'll take a time out. We'll come back, get a couple of phone calls. After the top of the hour, Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute. I spoke with her last night on the Larry Elder Show. Um, She has tons of information. You want to know the truth? about policing in America, about police interactions with blacks in America, police interactions with whites in America, uh, crime rates in America. You want to know the truth about who should be afraid in America? You're going to hear it from Heather McDonald coming up after the top of the hour. We'll be right back. Okay, it's 9.56. Let's get a couple more phone calls in here toward the top of the hour. We'll go to Parma next. That's where Ron is. And, uh, Ron, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Uh, listen, uh, I wanted to talk about LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, uh, the thing that I talked to you a few years ago about, and I said something that you did compliment me on, because one of the older fellows that I had worked with told me, he said, Ron, He said, to make an intelligent decision, you have to first have all the facts. And the thing about LeBron is, is he went off on this thing, and the thing that bothers me is he hasn't apologized, 
And I want to know, isn't there some way that he can be held accountable for uh, talking this type of thing out to 50 million of his followers? Well, I mean, I want to see him held accountable. How yeah. would he like it if he if he had a bunch of people down here on uh, in Bath in front of his house protesting like he would have liked to had for that uh, police officer down there in Columbus? Well, he would love that because then he would be able to say, "See, all of these people are racist. They're at my house harassing me, a black man." So he would love that. Would it give him an opportunity to play the martyr role here? Uh, as far as holding him accountable. Uh, Ron, um, Gary Wolsky told me yesterday, who's the president of the FOP, that that tweet was very likely illegal uh, because he literally was threatening a law enforcement officer, a peace this officer. Is what, this, is what, this is what I'm getting at. Right. How can he be held accountable? And the, and the question is, is if it is illegal, where would he be charged? Uh, if there was such a, such a movement to charge him, um, would it be in LA because he has a home there? Would it be in Ohio because he's got the home in Bath? Would it be, you know, I don't even know how many other places he has because he did it in, right. uh, in, in space, in cyberspace, if you will. But the, the truth of the matter is there will be no accountability, Ron, because he is LeBron James, a black male, and any accountability that he is forced uh, to to you know to serve, if you will, um, would be considered racist because he's just so frustrated. He's a leader in the community, in the black community, and he is seeing so many black people being killed by police officers with impunity. It was just so frustrating that he posted something that he didn't mean. That's why he responsibly took it down. He deleted it right away. This is the narrative, my friend. If you're looking for accountability for a guy like that, you're you're going to be looking for a very long time. It's never going to happen. What a shame, huh? It is a shame. It is. In fact, what you, a just, shame. you just renamed him. He's LeBron Shame, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, thank well, you. Uh, thank you, Ron. I appreciate it. Yeah, LeBron Shames. LeBron Shames himself. He shames the NBA. By the way, you notice all his business partners, the NBA, the Lakers, Nike, China, None of them have condemned whatsoever. Not one word. They have all been dead silent about LeBron James calling for uh, a police officer to, to quote-unquote, uh, pay the pro. No, I'm sorry. You're next is what he said. You're next with a picture of a police officer. That is a direct, implicit threat on that officer's life and safety. And they have said nothing. And you know why? Because you cannot criticize LeBron James without being a racist. We'll